Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today we have Colin McPhillips on back with us. Colin, what's up? How are you? I'm doing real good. Hi, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Dude, for the people listening in right now, Colin McPhillips is like world champ longboarder. He's nuts. He's traveling down to Baja all the time with his kids. This guy's a full frother. It's super rad to see him on Instagram. So you guys got to check him out. But Colin, give us a little brief overview on yourself, what you do, and let's just start with that. All right. Yeah. You know, I'm 47 years old. I started surfing when I was six years old. So, I've, you know, I got a good 41 years under my belt doing a sport that I absolutely just love. And I love it as much today as I did the day I rode my first wave. My background is, you know, professional surfing. I love to ride all types of boards, but I will say my accomplishments and everything I've won and done has been on a longboard. You know, my biggest accomplishments in my surfing career are three world titles, three WSL world titles, won lots of events and this and that. And, you know, I just love riding waves. And my biggest love in the water now is surfing with my kids, watching them ride waves, having my daughter ask me like, hey, let's go surf trestles. It's like, it's just the coolest thing in the world. So I'm just like, is in love with surfing in the ocean and having the best time of my life. That's so epic, dude. So how did it start for you? Did your family surf and stuff or yeah. like, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Capistrano Beach, San Clemente, Capistrano Beach, and then you go to Dana Point. It's a small little part of San Clemente that's kind of forgotten about, but grew up in Capistrano Beach. My dad was a full surfer and he's the one that got me into it. You know, we were always going to the beach, this, that. And then when I was probably about five, six is when I, started like getting shoved into waves and kind of from then on I was on my own doing it. Did you know that like that's what you wanted to do when you were a kid? I did in about sixth grade from you know early years in elementary school first second third all that I was like full super jock I played baseball soccer basketball <laughs> I served I did everything and then pretty much sixth grade I mean I'm really getting into surfing as I go into junior high pretty much stop playing all the other sports and 100% surfing. And from that day forward, it's like, I'm going to be a pro surfer. It's what I want to do. When did you realize that you could make that happen? Like, was it in sixth grade that you're like, wow, I, I actually am decent at like this sport. Like this is insane. I'd say it was more towards the end of high school because okay. I started junior year. I started doing really well and it was strictly shortboarding events. You know, I was on like the, you know, making the finals in juniors for the amateur championships. But I always longboarded too. My main thing was shortboarding. That's why I think longboarding clicked for me because if you could shortboard really good, you could do anything really good. And I think in surfing because it's so hard. I'm also doing amateur events on a longboard, kind of winning everything. And then all of a sudden, I'm a senior in high school in 1993. And all of a sudden, the pro longboard tour started up. And I entered my first event as a senior. I made the final. I think I made like a thousand bucks. Wow. And then it just started from there. That was literally my senior year. I did the whole pro tour that year and then literally graduated high school and I was right on to the professional longboard tour, traveling all over the place. And that just started right then. When did you start transitioning into longboarding? I always longboarded. I mean, my main thing was shortboarding. It was like shortboard yeah. all the time. But we'd always go down to San Onofre, family barbecues, down to Doheny. And of course, you yeah. got longboard at those spots. So I didn't even like own a longboard. I'd, I'd borrow, I'd ride my dad's, I'd ride other people's. 
I mean, one of my first longboards that I like rode the most was a soft top. And it's weird. It just came natural to me. I was just, I'm like supernatural feeling on a big board. Even till today, my shortboarding, I ride bigger boards. I like longer boards. I like a longer rail line. So I don't know what the deal is, but longboarding, it just super clicked and just felt really natural. And that's how it started. And then I still, even through my longboarding, like when I was like the biggest into my longboarding career, I still shortboarded all the time. My theory has always been, I like to ride whatever board is best for the conditions. If I'm at a point break and it's waist high, of course I want to ride a longboard. It's perfect for it. If I'm at a like heaving hollow reef break, I'd rather be on a small board because it fits the wave better. Stuff like that. And to today, it's still my theory. My favorite <laughs> board ride to date right now is an 11-1 glider. I've just That's had so the best fun on it. I mean, yesterday I roamed, paddled from Sano to Trestles, surfed a few different spots at Trestles, paddled back to Sano. You roam around, ride waist-high waves with no one out. It's just the greatest thing in the world. So my favorite surfboard is 11-1 right now. What are your biggest surf accomplishments? I know that obviously you've won world titles. First off, did you ever think when you were younger, you'd be winning world titles? No, I never thought that at all. You know, never thought I'd be winning world titles. Never thought yeah. I'd be collecting a paycheck to surf, traveling around the world, stuff like that. I mean, of course, those are my biggest accomplishments. Things that really stick out, though, like my first professional win was the U.S. Open in 1994. And so that was the biggest event, you know, in the U.S. And it was the first year they ran the U.S. Open, 94, and I won longboarding. And I remember my friend Shane Beshin, who was like every kid's idol in San Clemente growing up, he won shortboarding. And uh, pretty cool. I won longboard, he won shortboard. And that's like a full one that just really sits in my memory book. And then also when I won my third world title, I won that event. And also my first son, Kai, was born at the same time. I think I remember you saying that. Yeah, that one sticks out. Like, I mean, you know, win the event and then hop on a plane and fly home. So it was pretty cool. We put him in the world title cup you get for winning. We put him in that for the Christmas picture that year. Are Sitting you kidding me? Back baby in a pair of trunks. Yeah, pretty funny. Wow. Those events are like just pop out in my head always. Absolutely. Dude, you've traveled all over the world. I mean, it's insane to me to think like how long ago you started surfing and you're still a grom. Like you're still <laughs> just frothing at heart, which is crazy. Yeah. But where are your favorite surf destinations and why? There's so many awesome radical places around the world. But I definitely have my favorites and I'll start with Fiji. I've been spending about yeah, three to four weeks a year there for about the past six years. And wow. I just absolutely love it. It's just the most pristine, beautiful island, water. The people are so nice. The waves are amazing. It's just like this little slice of paradise. Are the waves there, would you say, expert level, beginner class? I mean, there's so many waves around there, right? Yeah, there's so many different spots. I would say it's everything from expert to beginner. I mean, of course, as a beginner, you're not going to go out to cloud break when it's 10 feet. You know, it's gnarly wave but the island of Namotu has very user-friendly beginner waves i mean lots of times when i'm there i'm working there doing private surf coaching and there's waves off Namotu, like swimming pools on the right it's a perfect like malibu-ish right now granted when it gets six feet it gets a little gnarlier but it's not always six feet when it's two to three feet it is a perfect learning beginner wave the left right out front is like a reversed malibu it's a left it's yeah. not real hollow and shallow. It's very user-friendly and it does get big and get serious at like, you know, when it's eight to 10 feet, it gets 
a lot more serious, but that's not when you're going to be out there as a beginner. And that's why I love to Motu. It's got all different aspects of waves to ride from beginner to expert to shallow to not threatening at all. It's got everything. It's really cool. I feel like there's so much to do in Fiji too. Last time I went to Fiji, I was surfing cloud break and stuff and we took the boat out and there was fish frothing everywhere. The fishing there's insane. Like you can do more than just surf. And you actually should have other hobbies and interests because the surf's not always good. It gets windy. That's the other yeah. thing is if you're into wind sports, the kiteboarding, the wing foiling, all that is just off the hook there. Yeah. Fishing. So there's, I mean, it's literally when you go there, be ready to play all day long because you get up when the yeah. sun comes up and you play in the ocean all day long. And it's like, I can't wait to go to bed when it gets dark. because I'm so tired. Um, but <laughs> Super yeah, good diving, right? Diving's insane. I mean, yeah. it is just beautiful. You just go around and snorkel. The reefs, just the most bright turquoise, radical reef everywhere. Yeah. It's like almost so good. It's fake. It can't be real. Dude, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I went to Fiji two years ago and surfed cloud break and all those spots. And it was a goofy foot to heaven, dude. That place was the best place I've ever been to in my whole entire life. Don't get me wrong. I've been to spots around here where I'm like, this is the all-time swell. This is the best ever. But that place as a destination is all time. It's so rad. Pretty much everybody that goes there will say the same thing. It's kind of a bucket list. If you're a surfer, you got to check mark that box once in your life. Go to Tapper, yeah. go to Namotu. It's not a secret anymore. It's been out there. I mean, it gets crowded. You got the cloud break and it's like, wow, there's lots of people. I love to stay at my breaks off in Namotu. I like just surfing those spots because the crowds are really, really minor. And what's radical is cloud breaks out in the middle of the ocean. It's a 20 minute boat ride to get there. And then you got restaurants right off Tabaru that's just like a machine wave you know it's like kelly slater's wave pool it's like fake it's perfect so yeah i would say full-on bucket list everybody should go experience it what's cool too is like when i went there i think i stayed at like the double tree or something and i just took a boat out each day and it was fairly cheap like everybody's like fiji's super super expensive if you're staying on an island yes i get it it can be expensive but if you want to stay on fiji and take a boat out and go experience that and then go back and snorkel or do whatever like you can do that like there's a lot of opportunity yeah absolutely there's a lot of different cheaper accommodations you could do there's like backpack style like hostels on the main island and you hop boat rides out and hang out all day long you don't have to stay at the premier private islands it's as awesome as can be to do that but depending on your budget there's always ways to make it work for sure what's second best my second best spot, I would say, is Baja. You're Baja. always down there, dude. I'm always it. down I, there. I can't get enough. I love to surf point breaks. I'm a full right point break guy. I like to surf by myself. I don't like crowd. Baja is the ultimate perfect destination for me because you can roam all over the place and surf all types of waves without people. There's world-class waves all over. There's B waves without people. There's A-plus waves. I love the culture. I love the people. I love the food. I dig being able to load up your own car. I've spent so much of my life on airplanes and traveling, and, and it's kind of a pain in the butt traveling with surfboards and going to a lot of these places. It's work dragging, especially longboards. You know, it, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll do it to the day I die. I love it. But I really like these days just throwing my equipment in my car, driving down, going down a dirt road, surfing away with just me and my kids out, eating tacos having a cold Pacifico. It's just really cool. I got a lot of, lot of really good friends that live, I mean, a lot of American guys that live pretty much full time down there. 
they don't even want to come home. So it's like, I go visit them. Besides that, I also do a lot of private coaching in Baja too. You know, it's one of the spots I go do. I mean, it's a perfect place to learn because there's so many just user-friendly, easy waves to surf. Anybody can ride a wave. I tell people like search spots, I could push you into a wave and anybody can stand up and ride it. It's so sick too, because you can go two hours down the border or you can go all the way down to Cabo if you want to. Like there's so many spots and then you can go to the Gulf of California, to Santa Rosalia and go fishing. Like there's so much to do in Baja. And like you said, you pack up your car, you go down there and you froth out. You do whatever you want to do. Like if you want to go surf, go surf. If you want to fish, go fish. Like there's so much to do there. And there's so many good restaurants, so many good taco places. Having a beer on the beach with the sunset, you can't beat it down there. You're driving your car on the beach, dude. Like it is so sick. It's the wild, wild west for like surfing, water enthusiasts, off-roading. I mean, there's not a lot of spots still that you could drive your truck up onto the beach, put your tailgate down, sit there right on the sand, go surfing, hang out. I mean, it's just kind of got everything. And like you said, when you touched on the whole Gulf side, I mean, Conception Bay, Loretto, all that area is some of the most beautiful water. I, I kind of compare it to Fiji. It's got Fiji beauty. The only problem you have down there is you don't have enough time. It's a big peninsula and you need a lot of time to spend in all these different areas. I mean, before I'm old and dead, I'm going to really clock in lots of time in different, especially some of the areas that's not even for surfing. Like you said, for going fishing and kayaking and like walking around and snorkeling. It's just, it's beautiful. Literally the last time I drove down to Cabo, we stopped in Santa Rosalia for one day. Yeah. And I wish we would have stayed there for like, a month, dude. It was so oh, yeah. rad. Like the cobblestone streets and yeah. super old school. And everybody's like, yeah, this is insane fishing. You know, like there's so much out here. Dude, it's insane. It's super yeah. cool. Just to go visit all the missions. If you have time, yeah. you drive yeah. down the peninsula and every major mission in these bitch and old little towns. I mean, it's worth taking pictures, exploring. I'll spend days in certain towns when I'm like on my way down. I got my spots. I love to stop. And I'll spend a whole day just walking around, looking at things, going to the mission, eating my favorite restaurants. And I'm not, not even near the ocean. And I just have the time of my life for a day there. You know, it's just, it's so rad. And it, it's like, it's out of a book. Like it's literally, you're cruising through Baja and it's like, you're looking through a history book of like the coolest things. And that's what yeah. the experience is. Dude, tell us the story real quick about your transmission going out. <laughs> yeah. So I was driving home from San Juanico, Scorpion Bay, came out the North Road. I mean, the North Road out, it's 100 miles of dirt. It's you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's one of the most good feeling things you could do in your life. For me, I'm just out there cruising on a dirt road. And you're in the middle of nowhere. You're completely on your own. You don't usually see nobody. It's just it gives <laughs> me a feeling. I really like it. Some people, I guess, it would scare some people. Some people like they're scared to do stuff like that. I love it. So my transmission went out kind of in the middle of nowhere, but it could have been way worse. So I drive out the North Road, just me and my daughter, and we go out the North Road. We get to San Ignacio, have a nice dinner, evening there. We stay there. We leave San Ignacio really early in the morning, and we're driving home, and we're in right around Gonzaga Bay area. And transmission just went out right past Alfonsinas. Boom. All of a sudden, I stopped at a military checkpoint, checked the car. I get back in. I put it in drive and just made this screeching horrible noise like oh my gosh the noise you don't want to hear like to your car pop the hood i'm expecting to see like 
stuff all over the ground, oil, this, that. It's like nothing. I'm like, oh, great. Put it back in drive. Same thing. I'm like, okay, this is not good. There's a market where I know there's a phone you could use and stuff like two miles behind me. So I flip Yui right there, go right back through the, the military checkpoint. And luckily, it's kind of like downhill. So I just put it in neutral, coast all the way there, put it in drive a little bit, just keep going. And, you know, I'm 100 miles south of San Felipe. So I'm kind of out there. Long story short, you know, pop the hoods, go in there. And it's, it, they got one of the phones you can like buy, you know, a certain amount of Wi-Fi to be able to make a phone call off your cell phone. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no phone coverage. And a really nice person. And that's the thing down there. Someone so nice, so helpful. A guy saw what was happening. And in my broken Spanish, I'm trying to like make phone calls, this and that. And he gets on and fully calls a friend in San Felipe relays it to me like, Hey, I've got someone coming out for you. They'll be here in a couple hours. So a couple hours turned into most of the day. Me and my daughter just sat there And the crazy thing. He was a local fisherman in the area. He hung out with us all day long until his friend showed up to make sure we got off. Okay. And I'm like, Hey, can I buy you lunch? He was trying to buy us ice creams and like hanging out all day long with us. His buddy shows up, ends up using my toe strap, flat toes me all the way back to San Felipe to a shop. We get there right for dark. It was Friday night. We had it fixed by Sunday night. And Monday, I was back on the road driving home. And the guy like that hooked it all up stayed with us the entire day to make sure we were okay. And the story gets even better. So most things down there is cash. You got to have They don't take credit cards. You're in the middle of nowhere. So I always carry some spare safety cash, like a good chunk for things like this. But I didn't have enough to pay for that entire new transmission. <laughs> but I'm like, no worries. The bank's closed on the weekend. It'll be open Monday morning. I'll get the remainder of the cash. Long story short, I owed, the, I owed him $1,000. And the bank would not give me money. So I'm like, oh, gosh, what do I do? It's just me and my daughter. I explained him the problem. We made a handshake deal. I'm going to drive home and then wire him money from home. And I'm eight hours from home still. That's why the people are so magic and beautiful down there. I mean, he trusted me. And I'm like, I shook his hand and said, I swear, I am not going to screw you. I'm not going to rip you off. And he's like, I trust you. We shook hands. I drove home eight hours, went right to Western Union and wired the money. Are you joking, dude? That's yeah. insane, bro. In world would that happen? Nowhere in the United States. There's no way the mechanic's going to like, here's the keys to your car. You're eight hours from home. You owe me a grand. Just send it to me when you get home. There's no possible way. So now I have his business card. I have my guardian angel of a mechanic. And I give it, his info out to all my friends. If you're driving down, you're anywhere in this vicinity, and something happens, you call him, and he'll come take care of you. You actually need to send me that, because I do drive yeah, down there. So absolutely. I definitely need I'll, that. I'll text. I'll, I'll screenshot and text it to you. And the other crazy thing is he spoke zero English. Zero. And, and my Spanish is not good enough to, like, really wrap out of them. So we were full doing Google Translate back and forth on our phones. Like we say a sentence and like show each other. And that's how we communicated. That's funny you say that a couple hours turned in the whole day. It's, yeah. We call that Mexico time, right? I yes. mean, people yes. are just so mellow down there. Hey, we'll get there when we get there, you know? Exactly. Like they're not in a rush, dude. Exactly. Turn your phone off. There's no rush. Um, I was just, my whole thing was like, just we just got to get to the next spot before dark. Because when it gets dark out in the middle of nowhere, it is dark, dark. And rules are like you know don't drive at night there's because of animals there's cows everywhere i've broke that rule plenty of times and knock on wood nothing but i've come really close to hitting cows like 
we're talking so close. It's like my heart blows out of my chest. Like, oh my gosh, if I would have been a split second later coming on that corner, I would have snapped into that cow. Like it's crazy. And now it's like literally, okay, no, no. I know where I'm going to be before dark because there's so much wildlife on the highways and stuff down there. So, but yeah, it's a, I could talk for hours on Baja and like on spots. It's just, it's just it's magical, magic place. Let's go one more, dude. I want to hear one more amazing spot that you could recommend. My amazing spots that I'd throw out there would be Indonesia, like the Talos Islands, the Mentawais, South Africa, J-Bay. But those are spots that I don't go to frequently. You know, I've been there throughout my life, but it's not a spot that I visit yearly. So I'm going to go with Costa Rica for my number three because I go there multiple times a year. And I have been for the last 20 years or something. Um, I love Costa Rica. It's a super easy trip from California. I mean, direct flight from LA there. It's like going to Hawaii, five, five hour flight. It's so minor. Uh, and I really love uh, Playa Nassara, the little town Guiones. Um, I've, I've kind of fell in love with that. It's like, it's like hippie, organic meets crystal blue fun surf. <laughs> That's it's so exciting. town built like, like, like tree houses and cool restaurants and like, it's just really, really, really neat. Pretty um, affordable. Uh, unfortunately, the town has blown up. It's uh, you can still. It, it's very affordable depending how you want to go. But there are some like a lot of the really cool treehouse style places have kind of blown up, and it's gotten pretty expensive. It, it's a pricey place, but there's there's always options. There's there's other places you can go real nearby. Um, like 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 let's say we're talking Costa Rica, a spot that that me and the kids went to. Um, this summer that I absolutely just loved was um, Pavonis. Pavonis at, at the end of the road, and there's some really cool places to stay there, super cheap. It, it reminded me, it had my, my, one of my favorite towns in Baja, San Juanico, and small little town, end of a road, perfect point break. Pavonis had that feel. It's a small little, small little village right on the water, a perfect, it's just reverse to the left. I'm going the opposite way that I like to go, but a perfect left point. Cool restaurants, cool people, lots of expats that live there that are really, really nice guys and, and, and women that surf there too. And it just had that that special vibe to me that like, wow, I really like it. I could like really handle hanging out here for a while. It's kind of it's kind of the same deal as the other places too. I feel like there's, in Costa Rica, there's very good beginner waves and very good expert waves. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of those spots, it's got something for everybody. Full-blown beginner full-blown expert and then everything in between and the other thing that's good is there it, you don't have to like hope for swell there's always waves there like a lot of the beach breaks so you don't even want it big most of the time you want it you want it small and then lots they pick up they pick up any swell year round too it picks up anything so there's always waves there's always something to ride you go there in in the winter time and dry season it's like offshore every day you go there in the summertime when it's wet season it's going to rain every day but it's beautiful the jungle's alive. It's so just jungly and out of control, and there's no shortage of swell. You go there in July, you're going to be, like, looking for smaller days. It's just nonstop. You're just frothing, yeah. Yeah, it's rad. And then you go to rivers, and you look down and see these gigantic prehistoric-looking um, crocodiles. Yeah. You, know? and you look down, and you're like, hey, that's why people aren't surfing out in front of this river mountain. <laughs> look at those creatures right there that oh, it's so the river. And I've seen them. I've been surfing by river mouths there because a lot of the spots are really good. You surf in front of river mouth, there's usually some good sandbars and that. I literally saw perfect, the, the little eyes, 
a crocodile cruising the lineup and talk about, I'll take a shark any day over a croc. I don't want uh, crocs like roll you around, stuff you under a log, come back a year later to actually eat you when you're all nice and like rotten. Um, take a shark any day. Give, give me a shark. I don't want to see a croc. The best, the, the funniest thing is crocodiles can only get you from underneath. Did you, oh, or, really? uh, yeah. So if you're up top, they can only uh, get you from underneath. Really? If you're below them, because I swam with crocodiles um, in Florida. Dude, wow. it was so sick uh, with Gator Chris, who's part of Salt Life. But, okay. um, and he's like, yeah, if you just stay under them, you're good. No worries, dude. Just wow. keep your eyes on them and stay under them. <laughs> it was the sketchiest thing ever. But dude, yeah. <clears throat> Costa Rica's sick. It's insane. And they have like river rafting and stuff too. Oh, yeah. Oh, like the, 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 all of the, the mountain bike tours, river rafting, the um, zip lining is a huge thing there. You're going for like through the jungle. It's insane. Um, I, I remember taking like, I think it was Kai and, Kai and Dak when they were really young, like ta- really young, only like these, these, because they knew how to ride quads and dirt bikes and they're very accomplished at that. But we're doing these like quad tours through the jungle. It was the raddest thing. So it's like, I tell friends and, and like families, it's the perfect trip for you. You don't all have to be surfers. There's so many other things to do there besides just surf of, of diff- all different sports. And then talk about fishing. The fishing's unbelievable. So it's just like, it's one of those spots. It's got everything. It's just easy to go to. It's got everything you could think of to do. I really, really want to bring up the last one. Let's talk about Indonesia because I feel like Indo is the most affordable one once you get there. Yeah. Um, sometimes the flights can be expensive. Sometimes you can get the best deal ever. But yeah. Indo is insane. It's so cheap when you get there. I'm actually leaving in like four days to go to the Mentawise on a boat. Oh, trip, are so. you? Yeah. Are you going on a boat or land camp? I, I'm going on a boat and then I'm going to go to Bali afterwards. But Ooh, let's let's yeah. bring let's bring this one up because um, I'll, I'll just start it off real quick. Yeah. I paid for a boat. That's the most expensive thing, right? I paid 2800 bucks for this boat, which is actually really cheap. But yep. the boat's insane. And we bought this boat years ago before COVID. They shut down. So we got a, we got a pretty good deal. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the place that we're staying at in Bali, when we go back, Blue Point Villas at Uluwatu is like 25 bucks a night. And it's a full resort. It's insane. Yep. Uh, plane hoppers between islands are like 20 to $40. Like yep. it's insane. There's surfing. There's monkeys. There's everything that you can do there. Fishing, diving, surfing. Um, go explore, go to waterfalls. Everything in Indonesia is insane. And there's so many places you can go. Yep. I, I agree hundred percent. It's one of those things. Yeah. It might be a bit pricey to get from LAX there, but once you're there, you could stretch your, stretch your dollar so far and do visit the most amazing little islands. And, and, you know, like you said, hop on cheap flights, hop on even cheaper boat rides. It's going to take longer, but you could boat from places. So my first time, Talk, like you're going to the Mentwise. Um, it's a lot. Obviously, it's been on the map for a long time. It's it's a lot more busy now with with surfers. My first trip to the Mentwise was back in 1999. Talk about like, I mean, surfing macaronis with like nobody out, and I mean, it was there were no land camps. It was boat only back then. And um, I remember from about 99 to 03, I did a bunch of trips there, and I was like strung out in the Mentwise. It was like. It was just crazy. I mean, I, I did one, went out for like a, like a, it was a, either a two week or 10 day charter boat, boat trip, came back into Penang, spent one night in a hotel, hopped on another boat trip charter with another crew, went back out for another two weeks. I mean, back to back. Insane. I, it was like almost a month in the Mentwise on boat. It was the raddest experience ever. 
year 2000. That's insane, dude. I feel like Indo is a great place to bring like your your chick or whatever because you can go get a sick spot, like a cool villa. You can Airbnb places all day long. You get a cool villa and you say, hey, you know what? We want to stay next to the coast or even on the beach, dude, for a week straight. And then we want to go to the monkey forest in Bali or we want to go do this. And there's so much opportunity there. Um, and then for the surfing people that are listening in, you can go to so many different islands that are cheap, like we're talking about. And it's so affordable, dude. Yep, absolutely. It, it's so cool. I mean, my, my most recent trip to Indonesia, I went to the Telus islands and talk about being out there and remote and, and, and taking boats to these, to these little islands that no one even lives on really and certain spots off of them. It was so rad. It's one of those experiences that it's like, you just, you pinch yourself like, this can't be real and I'm going to do it. it. It's just, it's another thing. Everybody in the world, I hate like saying go to these places. Like you got to go, you got to go because it, it's crowded, but that's going to, that's reality. It's, it's super crowded. Yeah. Um, everybody's got to go. Just get, get I, I tell kids, man, when you turn a certain age, just get on, get, figure it out, get on a plane, go take a surfboard, take a backpack. You just go. It's, you got to do it. You got it. I remember my first time to Indo, I flew from Western Australia to Bali. I was like 17 years old and I brought $300 with me because I was like, oh, dude, this is barely going to make it, but I'm going to, I'm going to make it for like a week. It'll be sick. So I brought $300 with me and they gave me a stack of cash, Indian rupiah or Indonesian rupiah, like this big. And I saw it and I was like, dude, this is a lot. Like, this is crazy. What the heck? And I lasted for like near a month with like $300 I was tripping out. And then I fell in love and I was like, this place is so sick. I'm going to go back every single year. Yeah. Well, funny. My, uh, my oldest boy, Kai, uh, he was just there. He was just there. He went, he went to Kiwi in the mental wise for like a two and a half, three week trip. And his second day there, he called me and said, I'm not coming home. I'm already here. I'm going to leave Kandui and then go to Bali. He went to, so we left Kandui, went to Bali for like a month and he's just like, yeah, do it. Once you're there, it's so cheap. And, and you had the time they scored such good waves and just loved it. Now, now he's like, Hey, no matter what I'm doing in my life, I will figure it out. I'm going to, I'm going to have to do like a month, a year for the rest of my life in Indonesia. And he's like, I, I love it that much. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm like, perfect. Do it. It's so rad. Yeah. Dude, Colin, I could talk to you all day long. I really could. I mean, the, the stories that we can share together are insane, but Hey dude, real quick, shout out your Instagram. Oh, my Instagram is Colin McPhillips. My name's C-O-L-I-N-M-C-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S. Check me out. I love it, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. And thanks for uh, talking to us about your stories about you and places to travel to. I'm sure everybody's frothing on this right now. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, everybody out there listening. Get out there and do it, man. Go enjoy, travel, check the places out that I recommend. I promise you, you uh, will love them. Absolutely. Thanks, Colin. We'll, We'll talk to you later. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty.